episode 286 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. Fly with Garmin Avionics, then grab your mobile device and make the Garmin Pilot app your cockpit companion. Get advanced functions you'll use before, during, and after every flight, including updating your aircraft's databases and logging engine data, plan, file, fly, log, with Garmin Pilot. The Pilot to Pilot podcast is brought to you by Learn the Finer Points. Use the link below to save 10% off their ground school app. Aviation, there's a new offer from SiriusXM. Make sure you upgrade your next flight without upgrading your plane by getting the Garmin GDL52 portable receiver. The GDL52 has ADS-B traffic and weather plus SiriusXM weather and entertainment. It has Bluetooth and works with Garmin Pilot apps. For a limited time, you can get a $300 rebate on the GDL52 plus it comes with a free three-month trial of SiriusXM's weather and entertainment. I love flying with SiriusXM, and it's honestly one of my favorite features about having the G5000. So the GDL52 will offer you a very similar outlook on the weather, and also get to listen to some awesome radio stations on SiriusXM. So check out the GDL52 at aopa.org/siriusxm. Aviation Nation, what is going on? And welcome back to the Pilot to Pilot Podcast. Today's episode is a highly requested episode. I think for a good year or so. I've been asked, when are you getting Big Earn on the podcast? When's Big Earn coming on the podcast? Well, guess what? Today is the day. Now, actually, we are trying to get video podcasts. I don't know if I actually said that. I say trying because Big Earn was the very first video podcast I recorded. But guess what? The software, I must have hit the button that said audio only. So we got no video. But it did happen. We have the audio. It is here. It is great. It's everything you thought it could possibly be. Uh, I'm excited for him to come on the podcast. I'm excited for him to share his story. Uh, he has just a great drive, a great work ethic, and a great way to look at aviation and family and everything. So I'm really excited to see that. And also, I'm pretty sure he's part of the No Days Off Club when it comes to working out. So he might have been the, the creator, and I'm just the one that's coming off of it and, and doing my best. But Aviation, I hope you enjoy this today. If you do enjoy the podcast, please leave us a review, like the podcast, share the podcast, and make sure you're following Pilot Pod on Instagram and check out the best hats in the game. You can get them in the link below. They're made by Bold Aviator. They have great stuff, so check them out as well. But Aviation, I want to keep you any longer. So any further ado, here is Fly with Big Ernie, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been a long time coming. Um, me probably dropping the ball every once in a while, which I typically do. Like I explained to you, I have a, a little one that I try to keep alive for my main job. And then I do this as my <laughs> side job. So <laughs> he kind of oh, rules I my world. It, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you said before that you have a, awesome. you have a daughter, right? Yeah, I actually have five total. Ah, dang. Okay. So my daughter, the <laughs> oldest, is flying right now. She's cool. flying to Orange County in uh, in our Cirrus. So she's flying the, my partner in the airplane. Nice. That's awesome. Well, I want to talk about that because I'm sure. insanely jealous. We'll get into it eventually. But it's like, when I see you post on, I'm like, how does this dude have a Cirrus? Like, what am I doing wrong with my uh, life? It's like, I know what Southwest yeah. pilots make, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I need to know, man. I need to know. <laughs> well, cool. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, the first question I always ask, it's a relatively simple one, but it opens up to a lot of conversation. Why did you want to become a pilot? What was the original inspiration for you to start this journey? Yeah, it was, uh, it was my father. He was in the Air Force. Um, he was a master sergeant. Uh, when I remember going out to the flight line, he was in maintenance. Oh, dang. 
So he worked on F4 Phantoms. And I remember going out to the flight line and seeing him work. He was kind of more of a, a supervisor. So we would, you know, manage the schedule of airplanes getting fixed. But he took me out to go see where the pilots would get ready. Yeah. You know, they're in their green flight suit. They're putting on their G suits. They're <laughs> grabbing a helmet. They're checking the oxygen. And I remember thinking that was like the coolest thing in the world. And I just wanted to do that. That's awesome. Um, and then when they walked out to the airplane and we watched the airplanes take off, you know, so loud, the big afterburners, I, I was hooked, man. Were you hooked on military? Years old. Was it military specific or like, yeah? I had no idea of a civilian job. I just thought hey, if you want to fly airplanes, it was the military. I never put, I mean, I was five years old. So I didn't put being a civilian pilot was possible. Yeah, I knew there was airliners out there, but I never put that connection together until later. And it's crazy how it's know? changed too, right? So now a lot of people just right. do civilian when some people, yeah. I mean, that's still the kind of the misconception when, when people ask about a pilot, they're like, the first question a lot of times is, were you in the military? And I'm like, no, you don't have to be in the military anymore. It's no. like, it's great. Top Gun did great. But fact, like, the, <laughs> yeah, the majority of people are not mm-hmm. from the military. Agree. And, um, you know, I told you my daughter's flying. She asked, should I join the military? And I said, no, if you want to fly for a living, go get your seniority number and fly for a living. If you want to serve the country and fly airplanes, go do that. Yeah. But absolutely. you have to decide, right? Like, which one do you want to do more? You know, if you want to go in the military and serve and fly, do that. Yeah, if it's you a, want to have a, a career and uh, flying on the civilian side, go do that. Yeah. And I'd say the, the easier way to probably get into aviation now, especially if you want to work for an airline or fractional, is just to get your, your ratings on your own because you have so many commitments when you go to the military and who knows what's going to go on in the military, right? Like if they can eventually lock you into longer contracts, which we've seen them do before calling in a reservist, reservist back or people that thought they might be done. But, um, Correct. yeah, there's, I would recommend if you really want to go to the military, please go. We need everyone that possible that wants to fly Correct. in the military. But if you don't think it's for you, uh, it might not be the route. And that's the beauty of it. Cause there's multiple routes that you can go, which I'm sure we can talk about there as well. Is. Um, when you were five, what year was that? Uh, I was five. That was 79. Okay. My dad was getting ready to retire from the air force. Was he pushing you at all toward that route? Was he like, Hey, I want you to be follow my footsteps, be in the military, kind of do what I'm doing. Or he kind of let you find this on your own. You know, he, he didn't push me, but you know, I remember in my room, he would build, you know, pl- plastic model airplanes. He would paint them up. They were immaculate. And we would hang them from the ceiling of my room. So he'll tell you he didn't push me, (laughs) but he put a lot of breadcrumbs kind of everywhere (laughs) for me to go, yeah, this tastes pretty good. Let me try this. That's really funny. It worked. He's like, hey, look at the plane. No, look at the plane. You have to look. (laughs) That's cool. (laughs) It is really interesting. My dad never, it was never, I never thought it was an option for me to pilot, right? So he was an airline pilot, flew for, started with Piedmont, kind of worked his way up to what American was and he just retired about a year ago. But I never flew a small plane until I was 21. Uh, Not until I went to college, realized football wasn't going to work out anymore. I was like, I need something else. Uh, But yeah, I never even really thought of it being an option. So uh, it's really interesting to see someone that is kind of like I'm a generational family. I'd say my grandpa's a pilot. I'm a I'm a pilot. My dad was a pilot. So I but I still didn't think it was possible. Did your father do the military? He or? did. Yeah. So my dad would train. Was a pilot in World War II. He flew the Chinese oh, Burma, wow. the Chinese Burma Hump, 
And he had, a, I never got to hear his stories, but my dad said he had a lot of crazy stories. So I wish oh, I could have sure. got those. Would have been great that. for a podcast, right? <laughs> oh, hundred yeah. percent. You got to get them on. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. It was, uh, so cool thing is, is my dad, my dad's buddy who I helped get hired where I am now, his dad taught my grandpa how to fly in World War II. So he has the stories. Yeah. I just need to kind of meet up with him and get those stories out of him. So it was pretty cool. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, small world, that'd right? Be great. Listen. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So, um, all right. So you're five. You're not going to become a pilot when you're five, right? So what no. was kind of your path from five to military or five to becoming a pilot? Was there kind of like a layoff of interest in aviation or was it kind of like you said, your dad, just, you know, little hints here and there like, Hey, here's a plane. Hey, here's this. Hey, here's another model. You know, how did that work out? Yeah. You know, he would always buy me models to put together. So, you know, we would put them together, uh, together. Mm-hmm. You know, he would paint, but I was so impatient as a kid and, you know, I, I would, I would glue it, I would stick them together and I would start putting more stuff on and I'd sit it down and the airplane would start falling apart because the glue's not set yet. Right. <laughs> I was so, I had no patience as a kid, but you know, I remember doing that with my dad and, um, through high school, I just, I never lost that fire to fly. I always wanted to fly. I always looked in the air whenever there's an airplane flying by. I just had that passion. It never left too. So yeah. when I got into high school, you know, I, I, uh, towards the latter half of my high school deal, I started getting a intro ride. I was great at intro rides because I would buy, there were only $50 back then. So <laughs> I, I had three of them. That's awesome. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. And let's do it again. Just started. Yeah, let's do it again. Yeah. So my parents sat me down and they said, Hey, if you want to fly, We'll pay for your private pilot license, but you you have to get a job if you want to do anything more. So I was bagging groceries at the commissary at Luke Air Force Base huh. for tips. I remember um, the Cessna 152 was $37 an hour wet. That's crazy. So I would bag groceries until I got $40. Then I would go to the flight school and be like, here's my $40. You know, I want another hour at the airplane. That's so crazy. That kind of went that way. You know what's funny is someone listening right now is like, man, if only it was still 37 hours <laughs> or $37 an hour. It's like, to be I fair, know. it was still expensive back then, right? Like it wasn't cheap it was. to go fly. So yeah. it might sound like it wasn't a lot of money, but in the moment, it's still a lot of money. It was still a barrier for that. A lot of people have to figure out a way to get over. And one way to do it is exactly what you did. You got a job. Um, People can go work at it, be an aircraft fueler. Uh, there's a lot of ways mm-hmm. to kind of find some of that money. It, it's definitely difficult and it's definitely a huge hurdle to get over, but there is ways to do it. It was, uh, I remember $40 was uh, a hard day's work bagging yeah. groceries, but the goal was always $50 a day. So I would go in in the morning and you could probably do that during the weekend because there was a lot of people that went shopping during yeah. the weekends. So the weekend, it took, from seven in the morning until four or five o'clock in the evening, I would get 40 or $50 to go fly. So that That's was an awesome. all day venture. So you would work all day just to afford one hour flying. One hour. Now my parents helped me out a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they got me my private. And then after that, I was kind of, you know, doing it on my own. They helped out as much as they could. They, you know, I didn't come from a lot of money, so it was, it was tough for them. You know, and I didn't want my parents to have to work to pay for me to go to right. flight training. So, um, you know, I by that time I got into college when I was doing all the rest of my ratings, my instrument, commercial, and all that. So I was going to college at the same time, trying to pay for flight training. <laughs> and then I got the bright idea of like, you know, I'm going to start 
doing the ROTC thing and I want to go fly in the military. So, and when did you I find out? I knew that I was going to do that. Oh, really? When did you find out that the military would pay for your flying? I knew they would. Yeah. But I love flying so much. I just wanted to keep flying. <laughs> that makes sense. And, and to be honest with you, Justin, I was going to just get my private and just keep flying and build in time and, and then hopefully go in the military and fly for them. But, you know, my parents sat me down. They're like, you know, I think it was like $1,000 or something, $1,500 to get your private Dang. back then. I know, right? And uh, I, I just remember whatever it was, maybe it was 2500 I doubled that after I pro- got my private before I started my instrument. Oh, wow. Because I was taking people flying. I go, hey, do you want to go flying? I got my license. And my buddies are like, yeah, I don't have any money. I'm like, ah, it's okay. I'll pay for it. <laughs> so I would, I would just go fly and as much as I could, you know, bagging groceries, going flying. Was there anyone else in your circle yeah. that wanted to be a pilot too? Or were you the only one? I was the only one, believe yeah. it or not. Um, uh, when, I, when I started flight training, I met one of my best friends in the world, Brian, who's here at uh, Southwest as well. He really got my, my career going because he, he got me hired from bagging groceries to working in the flight school. I was working behind the desk. So I was dispatching airplanes. I was you know, looking at maintenance on when 100 hours were due. So I really got kind of a head start on how to manage airplanes way back then as a 16, 17-year-old. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's interesting. And I always kind of, when I was going through my training, you always have this goal of where you want to go. You always have the goal and that you're working towards. So say it's an airline, say it's a fractional, say it's just buying your own plane flying for fun. But it seems so far away in the moment, but in reality, it happens so fast. Like I'm sure it does. I mean, you're lucky because you have the opportunity to go fly smaller airplanes, SR-22, a Cirrus, but I would be willing to bet a lot of the people you fly with do not touch general aviation anymore. They don't, yeah. which is surprising. I know. It's really crazy. And my point is, is that in try to enjoy flying that 172, the 152, because there's a good chance you're never going to do it again, which is like mind boggling right. to you in that moment. And you're so focused, hyper-focused on making money, getting that seniority number, which you really need to be because it, it rules the world as we're talking about how having a lower seniority number or a higher, what are you <laughs> going to say, can affect your yeah. career. But it really is try to enjoy the moment. Try not to be hyper-focused on just getting that job. Just go through it and see where things go. You know, you might have an idea of becoming an airline pilot and then you might get take it down a different path. So just, just go with the flow. Enjoy it. Yeah, 100%. I always tell people that um, because I was so focused, you know, on getting my license, getting to the next rating. Honestly, it was try to get my CFI so I didn't have to, you know, work yeah. to pay for flight time anymore. And then as I was instructing, it was just a camaraderie of people mm-hmm. that I wish I would have spent more time, you know, cultivating because it was kind of like you would fly with somebody or fly with a student, but you would be stacked with students. And it was hard to get, develop a real good relationship with everybody. Oh, for sure. So yeah. It changes think, as you go on, right? So as you, as you build and, and as you get more ratings, like everything kind of changes and you lose a little bit of, of the beginning or the newness of aviation and the fun as you, you keep getting more and more involved and keep uh, building those right. hours and, and getting those jobs. Yeah. You get, you get the blinders on. So yeah, absolutely. Say, hey, take the blinders off. 
enjoy the people that you're with, enjoy the experiences you get to experience along the journey. Because, you know, as a 48 year old looking back, I wish I would have spent more time Mm -hmm. just smelling the roses. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's tough, but, uh, coming, coming forward in your career. So you got your private, did you do everything civilian or can I mention that you went the ROTC route? So you did everything civilian and then you went to the military. Okay. I was dumb. So I did it the most expensive way. (laughs) Why not? Yeah. Why not? But, uh, you know, back then it was 1997 and there was only two to three pilot slots given out those Mm -hmm. years. And I didn't get one of them. Um, I have one story that I told that, uh, you know, I went through with one of my best friends in the world, uh, Steve Hutchinson. He got a pilot slot during that year. I did not. And we used to carry our wings in our wheel cap, our flight flight caps mm-hmm. in ROTC. And that was like, hey, when you went to pilot training, you were going to pull those wings out of your hat and put them on your chest. So when I didn't get a pilot slot, I gave my wings to Hutch, who he already had some. But I just said, hey, here's, here's my wings. I don't need them anymore. Oh. Because at the time, I thought, man, I'm not going to make it. So I'm going to have to make it a, a career uh, on the civilian side. So I would go do my four years in the military because I was obligated four years. And then I would get out and I would go try to do it the civilian way. But, Talk. Oh, sorry. Keep going. Sorry. Good. No, you can keep going. Keep it if you have um, more. But I, you know, I, I just, I, I had that fire in my belly that I'm not going to quit. You know, they're not going to win this. Yeah. I put this uh, me against them kind of thing, right? <laughs> like, which you're an athlete. I was an yeah. athlete. It's like, I'm not going to let them win. So. I just kept flying, you know, even as having a side job, I guess a side job, I was a a non-flying officer in the Air Force, but every base that I went to had an aero club. So I was a flight instructor in the aero club. And uh, eventually I got, you know, I learned about the reserve and guard. So I applied for guard and reserve units and got a reserve job flying C-5s. And was this after your four years that you had to serve? No, this was my second year in. Okay. So the reserves and the guard, they have to plan so far ahead, a couple of years ahead, because they need to send you to pilot training. Mm-hmm. They need to send you probably to officer school if you haven't gone to it yet. They have to send you to survival. And it takes a long time to create a Got pilot it. in the military. So they lead turn it. So I knew my second year in the military, I had a pilot slot in the reserves, which was funny because... I had to report in to my commander, who was a non-pilot at the time, why I wasn't applying for an active duty pilot slot. <laughs> and I told him, well, sir, I have a pilot slot. It's in the reserves. And he was just, he could not figure out why I wouldn't apply to an active duty pilot slot. That's funny. Because <laughs> you're like, dude, they already told me I got day. it, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I already got it. Yeah. And I'm going to fly a C-5. I yeah. mean, I'm totally cool. I'm happy. And there's a chance that they won't even give you a slot, right? You'd be like, SOL. So you already got a promise. Why not? Well, I would have, I would have gotten a active duty pilot slot, but then you compete for your follow on assignment, whatever airplane that is, you know? So, and I knew there wasn't even a guarantee I would make it through even with the reserves. So, I mean, I was so, I was so paranoid going through, like I really focused that once I got the opportunity I think it was better that I didn't get the pilot slot right away because when I did go to pilot training, I was, I was man on fire. I yeah. was 
100% dedicated, focused to number one, just getting through and graduating. Yeah. Well, there's something to it, right? Like, so I'm not comparing you to Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan got cut from his JV basketball team, right? I'm sure sure. that lit a fire under him to to prove someone wrong or to prove to himself that he could do it. Uh, Everyone kind of faces adversity in their career and adversity, you either go one way or the other, right? You either knock through the door and you keep going and you keep trucking or you you let adversity win and you kind of take a step back and you you give up, which I mean, not saying one, like you can still make the career however you want, or you can go wherever you want, but everyone's faced with a choice to, to punch adversity in the face and keep going, you know, uh, right. and say no, which is essentially is what you did. And I kind of want to talk about that because there is disappointment in this career. It's not always great. Some people fail check rides. Some people don't get their dream jobs. Uh, I mean, I know someone that wanted to fly for a certain airline, couldn't get that airline for whatever reason it is, gets hired at another one and turns out that's the best airline for him. Or for her, whoever it may be, because I don't want them to figure out I'm talking about them. But but everything kind of happens for a reason. You just got to take the punches and go. But you, young, in that moment, how did you initially handle that adversity? You kind of talked on a little bit. Like, you're like, oh my gosh, it's done. Like, my dream, my goal. I spent all this money on the civilian side. I was going to go in the military. Their own airlines probably only hiring military pilots at that point. Not only, but it helped out, right? You want to go to Delta, you go to the military. (laughs) So, um, Talk about that initial kind of disappointment that you had. How long did you kind of sulk on that? And before you kind of just like, you know, screw it. If I'm not going to let them tell me, no, I'm going to go get it. Well, you know, it'd be totally fair. I had a lot to, I mean, I bear the responsibility for not getting that pilot slot. Yeah. Um, I went to Arizona state in the nineties. Great school. Probably still party school back then, right? (laughs) I had a great time and my grades reflected that. So I didn't help myself. Even though I flew a lot and, you know, I just, I wasn't mature enough yet, I, I think. So I had a lot of growing up to do. Once I didn't get that pilot slot, it, I sulked, but I'm like, okay, I have to go to plan B. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have to go in the military for, you know, four years is my deal. So I'm going to f- continue to flight instruct. And I think I'm going to put out my, uh, my applications to all the reserves. So let's back up a little bit. During your junior year, before your junior year in ROTC, you go to an active duty unit to shadow a job, a career field that you want to do. So I wanted to be a pilot. So they put me in Dover Air Force Base at a C-5 unit, which happened to be a reserve unit. That was the active duty's mistake. <laughs> because I did a trip to uh, Germany with two guys that were up front. Yeah. Both guys were U.S. Air pilots. Oh, there you go. And they turn around to me and I'm sitting in the jump seat of the gigantic airplane, right? It's, it's a cockpit's humongous. Probably a big smile so on your like, face. Just like, yeah, and I'm, I'm just taking it all <laughs> yeah. in. I'm like, man, this is so cool. So we get up, we get over cruise and the guys look back. So, hey, Lieutenant, or I was a cadet at the time. They go, hey, cadet. Meeks, um, why are you going active duty? And I was puzzled. I was like, well, sir, I want to go fly airplanes. I want to do what you guys are doing. And they both look at each other and they go, you know, you can go in the Garter Reserve, right? <laughs> and I go, what's the Garter Reserve? Like, it was the best kept secret back then. They, no one really talked about it. I didn't know. RTC didn't tell us. Maybe they glossed over it, but they didn't really go in depth. Yeah. So to go from Dover to Germany, that's like a six hour, seven hour flight. 
So for a majority of that time, those guys gave me the full read on why the garden reserve is such a great deal and why I need to go into that. So give me a, give me like a, if I wanted to go. give me a two minute spiel. Why, why would you recommend someone to go? Not, maybe not two minutes, elevator pitch. How about that? Why yeah, would yeah, you recommend sure. the guard reserves, not even overactive duty, just as someone becoming a pilot and entering into this career? Sure. Well, I, I think the biggest thing, it gives you options. So, you know, me, I love flying airplanes. I wanted to serve my country. I wanted to fly. But I also knew I wanted to fly for the airlines or commercially one day. And, and to be honest with you, I only thought it was just commercial airlines. I didn't really understand the whole corporate fractional and fractional wasn't a big thing back then, but I didn't really understand those, but I knew I wanted to fly for a living. And, uh, one of my buddy's dads was an American pilot. So, and he had this big old house and everything. And I'm like, wow, they must, they <laughs> I must want be that. pretty good. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. want that. <laughs> so I knew I wanted to go to the airlines, but with the garden reserve, I was able to accomplish both. Mm-hmm. So they send you to pilot training. You get seasoned for maybe a year or two to get you know fully up on the airplane. Now you're a qualified crew member on the airplane, a qualified pilot. Now you become a part-time person. So you're, there's still requirements to maintain currency, but you're a free agent to go fly on the outside. So with me, um, you know, when I finally, I flew the C-5 for four, three years. Oh, cool. Then I got into the Air National Guard here in Phoenix, which is uh, a KC-135. Okay. Um, I was full-time because the war was going on back in, uh, back in that time, the early 2000s. So I was on active duty, essentially. The Guard of Reserve put me on active duty to fly full-time. Now, when I got off active duty and I transferred to the Air National Guard, I was part-time. And that's where I got my first job flying Part 135 Charter. So I was flying a Citation 10 for a small charter company, which I thought, man, this is really cool. Yeah. They give you the keys to this, you know, 0.92 airplane. And they're like, hey, here's your schedule and take care of the airplane and uh. go do all that stuff. So being in their guard reserve gave me that opportunity to fly on the outside as well, on top of serving my country, flying airplanes for my country too. How so, did how did you get involved with private aviation? Especially since you said you know like your goal was airlines, uh, that's what you wanted to do, and sounded like the people in maybe not in your unit, but the people you've been exposed to are probably more airline pilots. So you think you would have been pushed kind of that route? How did you meander your way to the left when everyone's kind of going right? <laughs> well, I, I just wanted to fly. Yeah, you know, I, I whatever airplanes out there, if it if. If it has engines and wings, I want to jump in it. I'm going to just want to check it out, see what it's like, you know, fly it around. So my private pilot instructor was flying for a part 135 company. So when I came back into town, I called him up and I said, Hey, I'm back in town. Let's get, let's get together, catch up. So we're, we're at, you know, some restaurant and he's like, so what are you doing right now? I go, well, I'm I'm back in the air national guard. He goes, and he knew that was a part-time job. Mm-hmm. He goes, are you looking for a full-time job? And I go, yeah, actually, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm just bumming. We call it guard bumming. You just pick up whatever trips come available and you fly as much as you can, but it's not really consistent. Yeah. So he goes, do you want a job? I fly Citation 10s. And I'm like, what's a Citation 10? <laughs> <laughs> That's a plane, right? So, oh yeah, he yeah. showed me and I'm like, wow, man, that's it looks cool. Um, 
So I, I just said, yeah, sure. Yeah. I'd love a job doing that. So he got me uh, in touch with the chief pilot. We did an interview and they said, yeah, we'll, we'll hire you. So that's, it was kind of dumb luck. Um, I wasn't getting a lot of hours in the Air National Guard unless I was going TDY or getting deployed. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted a, I just wanted to fly, honestly. And if it was a different airplane, I wanted to try that out. Was this a stopgap for you? Was this like, like you said, I just want to fly. Was the goal still at this moment to go to the airlines or were you kind of just along for the ride and willing to see where the, the private side went? I think I was more locked into Southwest. Okay. So at the Air National Guard in Phoenix, the Copperheads, it's a huge contingent of Southwest pilots there. Makes sense. So <laughs> I just kind of, I, I got the idea that I want to fly for an airline. I wasn't sure which one I kind of knew. Um, but being in the Air National Guard, being exposed to guys that flew for, you know, Southwest, FedEx, we had United guys there, American guys there. I got to see kind of everybody. Mm-hmm. And I noticed a difference with the Southwest guys. <laughs> they were the guys that were always having a great time on the road. Like everybody wanted to fly with them. They were like, you know, it, just my experience seeing, we call them all the pucks on the board. Yeah. You know, if there's Southwest guys on a crew going like to a Guam deployment, man, there's the, the puck list was that big. That's funny. You know, cause they knew it was going to be a good time. And so. to be fair, every airline has their, their good pilots and their weird pilots. No, right. Sure. So like if someone's in Charlotte and it's mainly American, you might have more friendly experiences with American pilots, but it's really funny how your location can shape you and shape your career. So my whole life, I grew yes. up exposed to American art. Sorry. Piedmont, US Air, US Airways, now American, you know, that whole tree. So up until I was like 19, I didn't realize there's really other airlines. Like I never, (laughs) I was like, Charlotte's almost 100%, what, 99% American, you go there. So I was, I never saw another airplane. So I was like, just American, 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 US Airways. That's all that was on my blinders. For you, Southwest. And what's interesting is, the path, a lot of people now apply to Southwest 1500 hours, they get an interview and there's a chance they might get a job. For you, that was not right. the case. You no. probably needed a 737 type rating. You needed to know the CEO, the CFO, the COO, right. get the governor of Dallas or the governor of Texas <laughs> to write you a, a letter right. of recommendation. So talk about, I, I know kind of your path there, but no one else does now, but talk about kind of Southwest as a goal and how it's different now versus it was back then. Cause it was a lofty goal, right? Right. Yeah. And like you mentioned, you know, going to corporate aviation was going to give me a boost in my hours. Mm-hmm. And I knew Southwest once I decided like, you know, to be totally fair, I wanted to either fly for Southwest or FedEx. Okay. So, and I knew both those companies required a thousand turbine PIC. So I was, an aircraft commander or a captain in the Air National Guard, but I was getting maybe 180 hours a year. Yeah, that's a well. That's not going to get it done. Carry the two. Yeah, right. That's not, yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> the corporate aviation side was great because it gave me the opportunity to build turbine PIC time while flying to really cool places. Um, get to fly really cool airplanes and see a different part of aviation that I normally probably wouldn't have seen. So. When I decided, okay, it's either going to be Southwest or FedEx, I need to get a thousand turbine. I'm going to corporate aviation. I'm going to learn as much as I can. And I, uh, to be totally honest, I probably wasn't going there like, I'm going to learn as much as I can. I was going there to build my time. <laughs> yeah. But I ended up learning so much 
that was so much so valuable to me. And even, you know, today, you know, I credit that with trying to, you know, really grow my company, MJets, yeah. which is a corporate jet company. Yeah, I mean, we we buy, sell private jets, we manage private jets, and we charter. We just bought a charter company. So that catalyst came from that point of flying in corporate aviation. Yeah. Then. Well, it's also interesting because I'm guessing you're going to kind of agree with this, but corporate side and, and kind of just like the GA side is kind of like a drug, you know, like once you get away from the airline route, like you start flying the 10, you're like, oh, it's kind of cool. I like the 10 or you like, you, you like the lifestyle, right? Like it's like, I mean, different rest rules. So you work hard, it's different, but like there's just something about it that can attract people and you can find yourself staying there and have a great career if you don't focus so much on the airlines. But for you... Yeah. The goal was Southwest, but it wasn't just like an A to B. There was a couple stops in between. So what was kind of next? You're flying a Citation 10, which at the time, I mean, back in what, the early 2000s, like the Citation 10 was like the plane. Like, oh man. It was, yeah. Maybe not, maybe the Gulfstream still had the alert, but like 10s, man, they were like, you have flew, I flew my 10 here. I'm faster than everyone else. So you were flying like the oh, yeah. plane uh, right off the yeah. bat. But um, it was cool. What came after that? So I did that for. Man, I think about four years. Okay, and um, I, I thought I thought I was going to move on a little bit quicker, but the flight time, you know, at Part One Thirty Five was very hit and miss. Mm -hmm. So I had the opportunity to go to NetJets at the time. Never heard of them. So I applied. Yeah. They were just a yeah. <laughs> they they have. Uh, I, I will tell you my time at NetJets. I absolutely loved, and uh, we talked about it earlier. My daughter wants to fly for a fractional, and I said. NetJets. They're, they're just a, a great company. Yeah. So um, when I got the opportunity to go there, um, I thought, if I never make it to Southwest, that's totally fine. I'll, I'll hang my hat here. So I got to fly the uh, Hawker uh, 850 and 900. Over definitely there. not a Citation 10, but <laughs> definitely not a Citation 10, which is totally funny. I thought that's what they would put me in. Yeah. But I got another airplane and it turned out to be great because. You know me, I, I just love flying. Yeah. So I flew the Citation 10. That was great. I flew a Citation 5. That was great. Then I got the opportunity to fly a Hawker, which is a beefy airplane and just a, a tank. I would say it's a tank. Yeah. And um, it, was, it was great. So I, I had a great time doing that. Uh, unfortunately, the 2008 happened and a lot of the downturn. So I was one of the, the pilots that were furloughed on, on uh, I think it was 495. Mm -hmm was the number. So, you know, I went back to the Air National Guard. I was still flying for the Air National Guard. And that's probably another benefit for being in the Air National Guard is if something like that happens, you have a backup plan. Yeah. So I just flew back to the Air National Guard and they actually had a full-time position available. So I became a full-time pilot there. Let's take a break from today's episode and hear from our sponsor, RAA. If you're like me, you might wonder, am I saving enough for the financial future I want flying? That's when I check with RAA's free retirement paycheck calculator, and you'll want to as well. Based on a few simple financial factors, I get an instant snapshot of how much I could expect to receive each month in retirement, and if I'm falling short of my goals, adjustments I can make to get my savings strategy back on track. It's quick, easy, and free. Try it today at raa.com slash pilot to pilot. And now back to today's episode. So you mentioned you got full-time at the Air National Guard. Um, yes. I... If you're full-time and say you have the opportunity to get hired, do you have to be full-time for a certain amount of time or does that 
full-time means you're not going to get any other outside work. That means you can't do any outside work. Okay. So when I took a full-time position, I was there, you know, Monday through Friday. Uh, it was a desk job, but I flew as well. But um, now I was basically in charge. I guess the best way to describe it is the active duty lease an airplane with all its crew from the Air National Guard. And I was in charge of that little contingent. Got it. So, and then uh, kind of backing up a little bit for you and your career and kind of choosing to go the fractional route, was that viewed, like you said, you, you love flying, you want to get as much time as possible. Is that just you thinking like, Hey, this is just an opportunity for me to fly even more and then eventually go that route to Southwest? Or is this like, you know, I'll see what this is and see if I want to make a career here. I think uh, I always knew I wanted to go to Southwest, but you know, like you're saying, you know, it may not happen. Mm -hmm. So you take the best opportunity at the time. And the best opportunity was, well, for me, it was weighing the decision of staying at a part 135 company or going to a company like NetJets. And there was no, there was no decision to be made. I was definitely going to go if I got hired. Um, You know, I had a great retirement uh, benefits were great. And it was just a well-known company that treated their pilots very well. So I knew I wanted to go to a place like that. And if I never got onto Southwest, I'd be ter- perfectly happy. And then the furlough happens, um, which I mean, everyone was furloughing at that time, right? Like yeah. there was no jobs to be had. So it was either no. go back to the guard or you're going to be back in uh, the, the commissary back in groceries, right? right? Back in groceries, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, the guard offers that opportunity to kind of have that fallback, which is amazing. You had that opportunity because that wasn't the case for, for pilots. No. Uh, I started training in- Very fortunate. I started training. Yeah, very. I started training in 2010, and it was kind of like right before the rebound uh, coming up. So, flight instructors making ten thousand dollars a year. Uh, it, you had to have thousands of hours to be a flight instructor. Regional pilots, minimum wage, maybe less. Food stamps. I have. I've from my first right. earlier interviews were with people uh, that were very, very remember, I guess I don't know the proper, they remembered very clearly about how bad the industry was and shaving in public restrooms and the terminal, sleeping on benches. Right. It's not the case anymore. Like for some reason, no. people wanted to be pilots and be treated like crap just because they loved <laughs> flying so they much. It. Yeah. It's like, how uh, dumb are we? What are we doing here? Let's, let's ask don't. for some more stuff, <laughs> <laughs> which thankfully the market has turned and the market is yes. very pilot friendly. It might not be like that forever, but we got to take it where we got it. Um, right. So Furloughed, Air National Guard. Um, what came still Southwest of the goal? I'm guessing at that time you still needed a 737 type rating. You don't have that yes. type rating. So what kind of was your way to circumnavigate that or circumvent that and make sure you get that? Yeah. So, you know, being in the military also, I got the GI Bill. So I used part of my GI Bill to get my 737 type rating uh, cool. when I got furloughed. So now I knocked out the 73 type. And, you know, a thousand hours turbine PIC was the minimum. The competitive time was around 17 to 2000 hours of PIC turbine. <laughs> and that's a lot more. And it's multi-turbine and probably too. More. It's not single turbine. It's yeah. multi, no, it's multi. Yeah. And uh, the more advanced airplanes, the better. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would take deployments. I would go on TDYs. I would fly, work my desk job and then fly in the evenings, you know, with the Air National Guard, you know, just doing a local. So I just put my head down and just said, I need to build time as fast as possible. So that's what I did. And then 
timing was not great, you know, up to that point, I, yeah. I think, um, because Southwest purchased uh, Airtran Airways. Oh, yeah. So now they've completely stopped hiring. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, okay, well, I guess I'm going to be here a little bit. So I'll just get comfortable. I'll, you know, I'll do, call it professional military education, PME. So I'm doing that to get promoted and, and move up the ranks in the Air National Guard. And uh, I think in 2011, during the summer, a small group to come in and interview. So I got my resume, my package, I sent it all off. You know, I think I had around 1,700 turbine PIC at the time, and I didn't get an interview. <laughs> so I had saved up all this money just in case I, I got an interview or got hired. You know, I could survive first year pay because even back then it wasn't that great. Oh. So I, I was going to bridge the gap. So when I didn't get hired, I bought me a nice truck as a consolidation prize. And then I got an interview two months later. <laughs> <laughs> so oh my gosh. Uh, I ended up getting the job actually no, November. Um, it was close to my birthday. Uh, I got the call saying, hey, yeah, you're going to be in the January 4th class. Wow. Yeah. What was that moment like? Because for you and, and a lot of people in kind of that moment or that kind of time frame of aviation, I don't want to say history, you're not that old, but kind of like the, the 2010s, 2015s, like before the boom, right? Like it's still hard to get a job right. like we talked about. Oh man. And you worked yeah. for it for so long and I'm not saying there's a, like people still work for it now, but like it's not, it's, it's different. It's definitely different. You, what was the feeling like when you got the call? Like, Hey, you got the job. You are now a Southwest pilot. Obviously you're probably like, I got to sell my truck so I can afford this hotel. <laughs> but I'm guessing it was just pure elation and just couldn't believe it. It was, you know, because it, it seemed like I was just getting punched in the mouth every time you turned around, whether it was, you know, I don't have enough time or I didn't get a job to, to build more time or I didn't get, you know, certain opportunities that would have helped me along the way. You know, going all the way back to not getting a pilot slot in mm -hmm. the beginning, you know, in the Air Force. So as I look back now, you know, at 48, I go, you know, those were such great times for me to learn and learn adversity and how to overcome it. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, life's not easy, you know, and there's a lot of times where you just want to give up and, uh, you know what, I'll do something else. I yeah. wanted to fly and that wasn't going to, that wasn't going to change. So. That's awesome. When I got the call from Southwest, I was so excited, but I was so scared too. Like <laughs> they were going to call up and be like, no, we're just kidding. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's your buddy. Yeah. And we're not going to. Right. So I remember this going to training and all I wanted to do was get my badge, my airline badge. Yeah. Right. Because I figured if I got my airline badge and I walk out of the airline badging station or whatever, and I get hit by a bus, I made it. I got my airline job. I'm here at Southwest and that's all I wanted to I can be, die you know? happy. So, yeah. That's it. Because I, I, I was always worried that I was going to get a call or something was going to happen. The economy was going to change. And they're like, Hey, sorry, we can't bring you to training. Or even if I'm in training, something happens. And they're like, Hey, look, we got to send you all guys home and you know, we'll bring you back when we can. So I was always still kind of a little fearful yeah. that it was going to get taken away. Looking over so, your shoulder a little bit, like when's the hammer going to drop? Like this is not, <laughs> I didn't make my it right. Luck, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My time is always terrible. Yeah. I was just waiting for that hammer to drop. Like you said, I'm 
always bobbing and weaving. So uh, when someone puts something on a pedestal, like for me, it was early on, it was sports. And when I made it to where I wanted to go, when I got to the college I wanted to go to, you know, sometimes it doesn't meet maybe the expectations or the loftiness that you put it up to, right? Whether it's your own doing or whether it's this company's not what you thought it was, but is Southwest or is this job that you have now everything you thought it was and then more? Or did you kind of, when you first got there, did you, was it kind of like all your other experiences made you not look back at those and wish you're still doing that, but uh, talk a little bit about just like getting to the, the dream uh, job that you're at and if it fulfilled everything you thought it would. I think by being a pilot, by nature, we're always climbing the mountain, right? Yeah. I always call it. So when I finally got, I thought, to the peak, and I looked around, I finally like, hey, I made it. This is great. And to answer your question, yes. It, we we talked about it with well, a lot of my friends that made it, that went to Southwest. Mm-hmm. We're like, you know, it's it's even better than we thought. That's good. It was the feeling that I got, you know? Like everybody was very welcoming. The training was great, you know, in the training department with my, my, you know, my teammates that we were going through together. Mm-hmm. A lot of us didn't have airline experience. So a lot of guys were coming straight from the military. At least I had some corporate experience. So the bonding that we had as a team going through training was awesome. Yeah. You know, I keep in touch with all those guys, but to answer your question, we got to the top of the mountain and now we're like, What's next? <laughs> you know, so that's why I, I went back to corporate aviation and started a company because, you know, I got on with Southwest. You know, I learned as much as I could. I tried to be as professional and the best pilot as I could. And, you know, it's a continual process. But once I felt kind of comfortable, I'm like, what's next? Yeah. There's, there's something else. I got more in the tank. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you can either be a career pilot, and which is fine, and, and kind of turn left and, yeah. and go home and make a good career and good living. But you, you do have a lot of free time, right? You can do a lot, and most pilots fill it with hobbies. All the cars they buy, some have different families yeah. in different yeah. countries. But that's like another right. podcast. The boats, all <laughs> yeah, yeah, the boats. But um, I guess one thing I want to want to ask you too is you've kind of done a lot in the, you've flown in almost every single type of flying that you can do, whether it's civilian training versus military training, and then flying in the military, being deployed, flying locally for the military, and then 135, 91, at 91K, and now 121. So or you've done <laughs> all the flying you can do. How would you rate your experiences at all of those? So like they all offer, there are different pluses and minuses, and some are better. Like, I mean, 91, 135, 91K, there's one of my things I love about what I can do is diverting. You can go anywhere, right? So whenever you need to divert, right. there's always an airport you can go to with you guys. You got to, like, we need a gate. We need to have air stairs. We need to do this. Like there's like a different checklist involved. But for us, it's like, cool, 5,000 right. feet, we can land there. <laughs> but for you personally, um, how has, how would you kind of not rank, but just between all your experiences that you had, has one been more memorable or your favorite? I know you're probably going to say Southwest, but, uh, I guess a better way to say this is someone that's in maybe 91, 135, would you recommend they go the airline route? That's what they always wanted. You know, I think um, you don't know until you try it, yeah. right? And every single experience that I've had flying has been super memorable. Mm-hmm. I don't rate it one over the other. I just, I look at it as I had the opportunity to fly really cool airplanes with great people and go to a lot of cool destinations. and 
you know, at heart, I'm just a pilot that loves flying the airplane. So all the opportunities that I've had, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't rank them as like, this was better than the other one. I think they all, you know, they're all your journey. Yeah, you know, definitely. The journey was awesome. I hope the journey's longer, but you know, <laughs> uh, it's been great you know, up to this point. With you in this whole process, there's a family in there, right? So like there's a wife, mm-hmm. there's kids. How was that making sure you make time for your family when you're building to the goal of Southwest? You know, there's a furlough. Uh, there's trying to fly as much as possible to make sure you can put your family in the be- best position possible. So they're sacrificing time away from the family to get to that Southwest job. Uh, spending money, whether it was a GI bill, but still maybe some other expenses on there to get the 737 type rating that takes away from the family fund. But talk about raising a family, having a family and being there for a family and being kind of present because a lot of people come into this industry and a lot of questions I get are what's family life like? Like what I have a girlfriend, they want to know what it's like being married to a pilot. Like what is realistic and what can I expect? So in your personal experience, you've seen the highs, the lows, the highs and lows. (laughs) How has that kind of gone with having a family? You know, it's tough. It's a balancing act. And I'll tell you, I was not great at it in the beginning. And I will tell everybody out there that you have to find that work-life balance. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that work-life balance, something's going to fall off and you don't want it to be your family. So if that means taking a little bit longer to get to your end goal of whatever that flying job is, I would strongly consider doing that because this career will chew you up and spit you out if you let it. Oh, yeah. It's a great career <laughs> and I love it. But, you know, like we talked about it earlier, we're pilots. We love to fly. We want to get out there. The double-edged sword is it comes at a sacrifice, whether it's your family, your friends. But yeah, I mean, I think whatever did come through with that, I think the point was was gotten across. I think there was enough that came through with that. But it's tough. And it's funny that you say the industry will chew, will spit you right back out. It's like, we are pretty replaceable, right? They can find another pilot to fly a plane. You get sick, they put another pilot on, they go fly a plane. You medical out. They got, you have what, thousands of pilots below you to keep churning those trips, make sure they're going. It's like, yeah, they love you, but they'll Correct. kick you out the door to make sure that that trip is being flown because that's what's most important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's making sure your family has buy-in on it, right? Yeah. Because being a, a family member of a pilot is a tough job. You know, when you go off to fly your trip, you know, I don't know, are you on the seven and seven? Or? Yeah, seven and seven. Okay. So I was doing seven and seven back at NetJets. And when I did do that, you know, the wife is the commander of the house, right? Like the tire, your flat tire, they're replacing it. You know, something breaks, they're taking care of it. So you put a lot of, a lot of responsibility on the, on your partner Mm -hmm. to make sure everything else runs because you're offline. So I think that's, you need to really have a good, strong relationship with that other person yeah. to make sure that, that the entire relationship works. And it's not always that, easy. You know, as pilots, yeah. no, it's not. Yeah. We have a bad, a bad reputation <laughs> with, with that, you yep. know, right? Like it's hard being gone. Yeah, absolutely. For, for, for all involved, the pilot, the family, the yeah, wife, everybody. husband, whatever it is, all involved. Yeah. It's very tough. Uh, well, another thing that's hard for pilots too, and 
it has been way easier for me. I, so I've been waiting, I've been, I'm waiting for IOE upgrading in the latitude and I've been sitting nice. at home for, for six weeks. Haven't had to fly in six weeks, which oh. has been amazing. Like, it's great. Like, yeah, I want to fly, but like being at home <laughs> with my kid, my wife, like it's been amazing. It's so much yeah. easier to stay healthy when you're not flying, at right. least for me personally, for you, I I've noticed you work out a lot. You, you try to stay in shape, uh, some CrossFit types to working out, which I just started doing as well. And I've really enjoyed yeah. it, but Talk about health on the road and prioritizing it because it's one of those things that maybe it's not overnight that it gets away from you, but everyone has the moment where your health does start getting away from you. And it's very important to stay on top of that. And when you're on the road, the last thing you want to do is go work out. The last thing you want to (laughs) do is do anything other than eat a burger. Maybe you could drink a beer with your crew members and then go to bed and wake up for whatever showtime is. But it's important to do it. How do you make sure you stay healthy? Like how and why do you prioritize that? Well, I always thought um, health was going to be a big part of me having longevity in my career field. But I also love working out. Like it's, it's something I enjoy, genuinely enjoy doing. But you're right. When you're flying a long day, the last thing you want to do is go work out. Uh, so we have AM and PM schedules at Southwest. Mm-hmm. So when you fly an AM, you're waking up really early in the morning, flying all day, and then in the evening, that's the hardest part for me to go work out. Yeah. But it's having that discipline of, you know, I'm just going to go in. My, my first goal is to get through the door, right? Yeah. I'm going to put on my shoes. I'm going to get everything go. I'm going to go through the door. Once I get through the door in the gym, I may get on the rower or get on the treadmill. And then eventually, you know, everything kind of gels and, okay, let's get a workout in. Yeah. Doing a PM schedule, you'll get in late. But I'll, I tend to wake up at the same time every day. So I'll wake up and it's easier for me to get a workout in. So I generally find flying PMs is a lot easier to get the workout in. AMs, it's more difficult. But that's where the discipline has to come in. Yeah. Because how many of our you know people that you know have medical doubt? You know, it, it happens. So and they're not all old either. Want, Some of them are younger. Yeah, yeah. not old. Yeah. So... If you want longevity in this career, you have to take your fitness very seriously. Yeah. Because every six months now, you know, now I'm over 40. So every six months I have to get a physical. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I get blood tests every year to make sure things are right. I try to eat healthy. I, you know, supplement when I can, um, you know, getting enough protein or I don't like vegetables, so I have to take, you know, these little multivitamins all yeah. the time. So that's, that's how I get funny. that. But yeah, fitness is super important. Yeah. That's why I try to put it on our channel and mm-hmm. I put it on my Instagram a lot because I want folks to know being young, you're healthy, right? Mm-hmm. There's no issues. Once you start becoming 30 and into your 40s, yeah. early 30s, start happening, yeah. right? Your I'm back like, hurts, oh, your man, knees hurt, your yeah. shoulder, you know? I don't Seriously. Know what's going on. <laughs> But you know, oh, just man. staying healthy, having that longevity, that's yeah. going to give you a long career. So, And shout out to, for me personally, First Form. So I don't know if you know oh, much yes. about First Form, but they actually I reached do. out to me. They sponsored the podcast for a little bit and it actually oh, helped nice. kick my butt to get into gear. It's like I finally had yeah. someone literally paying me to go work out and it's kind of what helped <laughs> along with my neighbor. So my neighbor has kind of a, a, not as nice as your gym, but he has like a little makeshift, like CrossFit gym. And we wake up every single morning at like five 30, we go work out five 40, 20, 30 minute workouts. Um, we use an app called street parking. It's amazing. A lot mm-hmm. of fun. Nice. Um, but first form supplied the supplements, all my workout gear. So it's been, if you, if anyone wants to get into it, check out first form. It's great. They don't sponsor anymore, but 
I definitely, they're great, good people and go check it out. hundred percent. Actually, I use first form for my supplements. There you go. And Kelly Stone, she always puts on an eight week challenge yeah. on uh, first form is how I track it yeah. with their app. Yeah. hundred percent. Check they're it great, out. Great company. Maybe they'll come back. Come back. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is tough and it's something that I feel like no one can force you to work out, right? So you have right. to you have to make the decision on your own. And when you say longevity, you also got to understand that longevity longevity in your career also means top earning scale of Southwest captain. So you want to be right. you want to have longevity in this career. That's when you make the money, and that's when you can do fun stuff. Right. Um, yep. <laughs> you've mentioned, and you're wearing M Jets the shirt. Um, Talk a little about that. You kind of mentioned a little bit a couple of times, like that's how you started it. You know, you, you reached the the quote unquote the top of what you could do, but it wasn't enough. You still wanted to do something else. Talk a little yeah. about why start this, or, or even why the name M Jets, or just kind of give me the spiel about M Jets. Yeah, so i I have a hard time sitting still. Yeah. So when I got hurt at Southwest, you know, it, it's been a great run, and I've loved every minute of it. I've had the opportunity to do pilot hiring there. And I just always was like craving to do more. Mm-hmm. I always have this opportunity, which is what we're talking about with that work-life balance. You know, not always great. <laughs> right. So, yeah. you know, I was sitting around and, um, I, you know, I did some aircraft sales in the past and had the opportunity to manage an airplane, uh, a premier jet. So I said, yeah, I've done it. I know how to do it. Let's go ahead and start it. It was like 2019 or 2020. And uh, I started doing that. And I said, you know what? I, I, I enjoy this part of the business and I enjoy creating things. So I'm going to, and I had the opportunity to work at a couple of uh, corporate jet companies and working with their business development. So I said, I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to create a company. So I started MJet as just primarily a, a aircraft management company. Mm-hmm. And then we got into buying and selling airplanes. But then we didn't want it to be just purely transactional. You know, when you sell someone a private jet, we didn't want to say, okay, well, call these people. They can manage your airplane for you. We were managing already. So we kind of had this one-stop shop where, hey, we sold you an airplane. If you need management, we can do that as well. But a lot of the clients wanted to put it on charter. And we didn't have a charter certificate. So in 2020, we ended up purchasing a charter company. It's a great time. And then to do we that. merged it into, yeah, it was a great time. <laughs> we merged it into uh, MJets. Yeah. And we're still like on the latter part of implementing all that okay. and, uh, and putting it all together. So we want to be able to offer a one stop shop. So if you buy an airplane from us, we can manage it. We could put it on charter to offset some of your ownership costs. And when you're ready to sell it, we can do that as well. And when you're ready to buy another one, we're ready to do that as well. So um, one thing I liked about this was, you know, you're, you played sports. My director of sales was a hockey, professional hockey player. There you go. Um, we, we have this team together. Like our chief pilot was a retired Southwest pilot. You know, our DO is tons of experience in corporate jets, flying Gulf streams. So we put together this team that we're like family. So I I thought it was a great opportunity to create something, but to create the same culture that I've had the privilege of having at Southwest and at NetJets and creating it myself and creating a company around it. Yeah. 
what, this is kind of interesting because I feel like a lot of people have the idea, maybe not a lot, but some people want to start their own charter uh, management company, mm-hmm. buying, selling aircraft. There's a lot of people that do that already, right? So like, right. I mean, it's it, maybe it's not like a completely saturated market, but it's definitely, there's enough companies to where there's not really, I don't want to say there's not a need for it, but like, I guess what I'm getting at is how do you get into that industry and how do you differentiate yourself from everyone else? And how do you be like, no, 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 trust me, the brand new company and the airline pilot, you know, right. like what, what do you do to kind of build the, the relationship, the rapport uh, and get people on board with the new company? That is a challenge. So being a brand new company, we're a startup. So we, we don't have the name recognitions as a lot of the bigger companies out there. But what we do have is a personal touch. And if we treat one customer right, it's referral, repeat business, repeat business and referrals that help us grow our company. So when I, if someone is trying to get into the business is what I would tell them is you have to go work for somebody first, learn the business because a lot of people get in because there's no training in this mm-hmm. business, right? There's <laughs> no certificates or there's no anything you need. So anybody could say, Hey, I have a website, I'm a broker, or I'm a website, I can sell airplanes. If you haven't done it before, it's a very complicated process. And there's a lot of challenges in there that can cost you a lot of money if you do it wrong. So um, for us, I used to do that in another capacity for another company. So bringing it into MJets, I was (laughs) able to kind of bring some of the repeat business back in and they are like our biggest advocates. Oh, cool. So it's, it's a trust. You know, when someone hands you over a ton of money to go buy a very large asset, they have to trust you implicitly. And I think we have the team together where, you know, we, we make sure the owner is very comfortable and trusts us in what we're doing. And we produce a great product in the end for them. Long-term goal, would this be an exit from the airline flying or do you think you'll always fly till 65, maybe 67? Well, if that gets passed, you know, I, I think I'm going to be flying. I love what I do. I love flying for Southwest. I love, you know, flying the 737. I think I'll always be in some capacity flying, but I love business. And the more I, I got into business, the more I liked it. You mm-hmm. know, I like real estate too. So even before M jets, I was in real estate. And, you know, buying houses and just renting them out. So I, I love the business around business. <laughs> so I think uh, I'm, I'm always going to, I've already made the decision that I'm going to work forever yeah. <laughs> until I drop dead. There's something to that though. Cause um, a lot of people say when you no, retire, you know, your, your life kind of deteriorates, right? So there's been no. studies that come out when you retire maybe it's not a good idea to retire at 65 or 67. Yeah. Or, you know, retire from the airline you know, at 65 or 67, whatever it is. But I think just staying mentally engaged and there's nothing that's more engaging than owning a business. Yeah. I mean, you think about it at night, you think about it the first thing in the morning. I mean, it's, it's like a child. It's, a, it's like a child. A hundred percent. It's very temperamental too. Some days are good. Some days are right. bad. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this will be an interesting question. Your, let's say, you know, we're looking back Ernie, Big Earn, National Guard, flying C5s, takes a time machine, sees you today, sees you 
with a camera in front of your face, flying a Sirius, <laughs> uh, recording videos, being a uh, quote unquote influencer, whether or not you call uh, call yourself that. What uh, would that Ernie think of Ernie today? Like obviously very proud that they're doing uh, Southwest, but did you ever think that you'd be making videos online? Uh, people would be talking to you, reaching out to you, that kind of stuff. Not in a million years. Yeah. Not in a million years. I, I think, you know, so the whole genesis of flying with Big Earn was my daughter was going through UND at the time. And, you know, she was in her second year. There was a long road. Like I went to pilot training. Well, we'll just say the Air Force. It was a year long. If you go to UND, it's pretty much a four year, three and a half year mm-hmm. commitment. Add a couple so more months because she, of bad weather. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. So she, uh, she was talking about, you know, quitting flying. So as a dad, it's like, oh my gosh, what is she going to do? You know, like I need to, I need to show her that this career is awesome. Mm-hmm. So that's where flying with Big Earn came from. And I, I tried to do the end around on her. I tried to get her friends to watch <laughs> and show, you know, and then have her friends influence her. So that's kind of, kind of where it came from. And then where it took off from there it was totally unexpected. Does she Not know? Does she know that that was your? She know. Yeah, she, right. knows, <laughs> she knows now. She didn't know back then. <laughs> when? What was her thought process when she first saw these videos? Was she like, "Oh my gosh, Dad, what are you doing? Get I, your face off I my phone." I think it was that. <laughs> I think it was that. I think it was embarrassment. Yeah. Um, yeah. She because she did mention that you know, like her friends at UND were like talking about it, and so. <laughs> Which was great because that's what I wanted to happen. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I just wanted, I knew this this career would be very rewarding mm-hmm. or has the potential to be very rewarding. Um, as you get, you know, further down the line, net jets or, you know, wherever you're flying, it's, you're at the pinnacle of your career mm-hmm. and you have a lot of options and you have a lot of free time and you have time to explore different hobbies or start a business. So I thought a flying career would give her a great, I don't know, maybe a great opportunity to do more things while having a very successful and rewarding career. Yeah. Gives you options, right? Kind of like the guard. Gave you options. Yeah. Gave you, you options. You have time off. You, you Where I'm flying, seven on, seven off. You're going to have a whole different career mm-hmm. for seven days, essentially. That's true. <laughs> so yeah. same with Southwest. What is it? Three on, four off usually kind of ish. Three on, four off. Yeah. So yeah. four days. You can do a lot in four days. Sleep for one or two of them. Still got two days. <laughs> the great thing about that, our, our schedule is the best thing. So I can move trips so I can have two weeks off. If I need you to, go. so, um, you can give away your trips. You Are you trying to recruit me? Form, You're trying to recruit me right now. You're trying to tell me that I can make a seven on hey, seven. I am, a, <laughs> I am a pilot recruiter for Southwest. Yeah. So yes. I, I have, uh, my, so I've had the spiel. So I, I lived in Chicago. Uh, I have a really good friend, Matt Grossman up at Midway. He's a uh, assistant chief okay. pilot. He reached out yeah. to me, wanted, wanted to talk to me, you know, show me around Southwest and the chief pilot there. They all gave me, this was probably 2019. They were like, had me in the room, like gun to my head, like we're coming to Southwest. And I was like, I like what I do. I'm sorry. So they still haven't talked me into it yet, but, uh, you know, still young. I, I guess still have 30, 30, 32 years there. So, or 20, oh, what, how old am I? So yeah. That. Ago. So yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll see. You never know. But, um, you know what I say is, is for me, it was always find out what's out there mm-hmm. and then make your decision. Right. Yeah. You know, Southwest may be the best place. Obviously, I'm a recruiter. I, you know, I want people to come to us. 
But, you know, like I told my daughter, she wants to go to Netjets. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's a great place. Go there and, and see what the flying's like. Yeah. You know, you may love it and that's, that's your career. So yeah, that's what I tell people too. It's not yeah. necessarily good for true, you know, all everybody. And what's really important to know is the grass is not always greener. What you like at a certain place might be what you hate at the next place. So especially when you're talking about fractional companies and airlines, what you love about fractionals, you're not going to necessarily get at the airline. That kind of correct. The, the, the free, you know, I don't have a chief pilot that's like hanging over my head, be like, you're five minutes late, you're two minutes late. Like, what are we doing? Like, speed right. this up. All right. Uh, you you kind of have more of a, you know, they give you a brief and you just get your job done. Uh, if nothing goes wrong, you don't have to talk to the company at all, which is great. That's and right. you get crew food all the time. You might miss your crew food. I don't know. Oh, man. I miss the crew food <laughs> yeah. and I miss my diamond status at Hilton. There you go. Yeah. I think I have like 1.5 million Hilton points, which does not oh. go as far as it did when you were here. So that used to be, used to be able to get what, like a, a week in Hawaii for 100,000 points. That's not the case anymore. Yeah. So it doesn't sound as oh, great right. as it is, but I have a ton of points. But so that's still good. good. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, one thing, so we're getting kind of, we're going to end here soon, but you kind of brought up yeah, something sure. with your daughter. I think is kind of important. Mm-hmm. She kind of hit that spot. I feel like everyone in their training hits that spot where kind of, we talked about this at the beginning where the end goal seems so far away that the work to get there doesn't seem worth it anymore. And you either kind of get fearful and I'm not saying this is your daughter. I'm just saying like for this mm-hmm. happened to me too. When I graduated college, I was at a point where I was like, all right, I can either go training and, and finish this hard, or I can kind of, you know, not necessarily take the easy way out, but not put myself through all of that training and, and maybe, right. maybe not get the job. What do you say to someone to continue? Like not every father is going to have a serious or have the opportunity to, <laughs> to convince their friends, to convince their daughter to keep going. But <laughs> yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people face that adversity in this career. What would you say to someone that's yeah. right now, they message you on Instagram, like, Hey, I'm just like your, your daughter, just like Justin was like, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. I have an opportunity to go fly or go fly here finish my training or go, I don't know, do some, be a YouTuber, whatever it is. But right. what would you say <laughs> to someone to continue their, uh, continue their training? Yeah, just uh, the biggest thing is follow your passion, right? If you're passionate about it, you're going to absorb a lot of adversity. Yeah. And I think it's great training too, because not everything is going to be perfect. Your flights aren't going to be perfect. Your, your journey through this career path, whatever it is, it could be being a doctor, a lawyer, whatever, it, you're going to encounter potholes as I call it, right? You're going to hit potholes along your road. Absolutely. Your journey. It's how you respond to that. It, and it's going to make you a stronger person in the future. Because if, if you've never encountered adversity, the first time you get hit right in the face with adversity, you're going to be like, what was that? I don't like that. I don't know how to react to that. Yeah. So I think the more adversity you have, the better. Honestly, Agreed. because it makes you stronger. It makes you more resilient to handle the problems that will come up. Well you know, said. My, my, my first hit with adversity in flying, because I've, I had it in the beginning, I failed my private pilot check read. This is a, someone who wanted to fly for a living. Like I wanted to be a pilot so bad. And I just got told I wasn't good enough. Yeah. So when I look back on that, I go, yeah, I wasn't ready because I didn't prepare myself for the check ride, you know, properly. So what happened every single check ride after that, no issues went through pilot training because I knew what it tastes like and it sucked and I did not want to <laughs> taste that again. 
I went through pilot training. I graduated number one in my class in pilot training. And it was because it was two things. Number one, I didn't want to taste failure again. Mm-hmm. But number two, I had a chip on my shoulder because I didn't get a pilot slot in the beginning. Right. So I was going to prove to everybody that I'm going to outfly everybody in my class right. because I'm going to graduate number one. And look, I wanted to graduate, but I was not going to, I was not going to slough off one ounce. So a lot of people ask me if I fail a check ride, like I probably can't get hired. It's like, no, you definitely can. For one, like what you just said, private pilot failure. Now you're captain of Southwest. You're doing pretty good. I failed my instrument check ride. I'm flying where I want to fly. So if you own it, I think the most important part you can't be ashamed of it. It's got to be a part of your story and you have to show right. them how you use that to either, like you said, like become number one in your class. You tasted that failure. You don't want it again. Um, I mean, you just have to show the way that you had this, essentially the adversity we talked about, the failure kind of molded you into who you are today. You learned from it, mm-hmm. own it, say it was your fault. Don't blame it on anyone else. <laughs> Most important, 100%. even if it was someone else's mm-hmm. fault, just own it. And then just go from there right. and they'll be like, Oh, that's good. Yeah. You, you're mature. You can have, uh, you can take this failure and you continue because things fail in cockpits. They want to see you overcome 100%. this adversity. They don't want to see this overcome you and you focus on one thing and not be able to get past something. So it's very important to show that you can do that. Yeah. That's a big part of uh, interviewing. You know, when <laughs> I, when I sit down with somebody and they talk about their failures and they own it and they're like, this is what I learned from it. And this is the result of what I learned. And you know, I've accomplished all this. Mm-hmm. Those are the best interviews I've ever had with people. Yeah. When they take ownership, they they have clear and concise things that they did to change what they did from their failure. And then this is what they accomplished on the aftermath. Yeah. That that's a great story. All right. I'd rather have that than someone who's never failed Agreed. and gone through. Agreed. Right? Cause some they're going to fail eventually. Something's eventually going to happen. They are. And if you've had just nothing but great, you know, lucky charms the whole way or whatever it is, your favorite, right. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> I don't know how you're going to react, but I've seen that you've had a documented history of failure. And I don't want to see you fail everything. Right. Obviously, right. eventually right. you do have to pass, <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> I, it is good to kind of have that experience and you can use it to your advantage if it ever does happen. Right. Um, my last question before I get into the rapid fire and then we'll end it. Um, how do I get a Sears? How do I have access? How do I start flying a Sears, man? Was a green Hornet? Like, why do I not have one? Right. Like what, what am I doing wrong? Tell me about this. Well, I can, I can help you, Justin. Get to that so, can you help me get some one, money then? I'm just kidding. Yes. Yeah. So the big thing is, and we do this in our business too, is we sell, we match people up to buy airplanes. So the cheapest way to buy an airplane is to have a partner in it. So that reduces the cost 50%. Mm-hmm. There's still 50% to do. And in my case, I have a business justification for a Cirrus. So it is a business tool for me. Like it's uh, full disclosure. It's not my Southwest uh, <laughs> money that pays for the Cirrus. It's like your YouTube money. Come that. on, man. It's not my, uh, and, yeah. and Contrary to popular belief, it is not my YouTube money that pays for it. So, you know, I, I had set myself up with several businesses prior, and it's it's been good with MJets to be able to incorporate that in. And, and I, I guess the bottom line is, if you want to own an airplane, have a business justification for it. Mm-hmm. And obviously, your business has to be making enough money to justify the airplane. Definitely. So that is the best way to buy it. Uh, best way to buy it. Makes sense. <laughs> and 
50%. Like if you can find a partner that you trust with an airplane and, and there's a little bit of details that go into, you know, creating the legal documents on how you guys are going to operate it. But if you find a good partner in an airplane, it's the best way to do it. All right. So if you find anyone in Raleigh Durham with a Sirius SR22, you know, let me know. I'll, Put that on the list. I'll buy in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Uh, all right. So I got a rapid fire section. These are somewhat quick questions, but don't take any yeah. time to kind of uh, explain your answer to say your answer. That's it. We'll move on. You ready? Okay. Favorite right. airplane ever made? Spitfire. Corporate jet. Favorite corporate jet? Citation 10. Favorite airliner? Uh, seven thirty-seven. You lie. That's not your favorite. I know. <laughs> it's, I love. I actually, I love yeah. the old school. All right. I love the old school. I flew a tanker. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I like my uh, my Garmin Avionics. You know, my G five thousand. It's like I need that to be that happy. True. I'm I'm a child that's of the true. Magenta line, man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, what's the ugliest airplane you've ever seen? A ten. Ooh. I mean, you're not wrong. It's, like it's, a, it's, a, it's a gun. It's not a plane, right? But <laughs> <It is. Yep. laughs> what's something you wish you knew before you flew or before you became a pilot? The time away from family. Who's someone in the industry you'd like to meet the most? Meet the most? It could be alive or they could have died. Oh, man. That's a great question. I try. <laughs> I would love to have spent five minutes with Herb Kelleher. Okay. That makes sense. Southwest yeah. guy. Yeah. And it's not just building an airline. It was just his mind. I would love to sit down and, you know, I love business. I would love to just pick his business mind on how he decided to start an airline and how he decided to run it. And, mm -hmm. you know, just, have, I would love five minutes with him. I like it. Uh, what's your favorite thing about aviation? The freedom. Favorite airport you've ever landed at? GA is going to be Camarillo. Okay. And for the airline, I think it's uh, Reagan. What's your least favorite Flying airport? Me. Oh. The least favorite? Yeah. What's one that you just do not like to fly to? Midway. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shame winter, for the company you work for. <laughs> in the winter. I mean, I would prefer not to fly there. <laughs> yeah. You know, O'Hare's pretty close. You guys fly there now, right? Just, oh, just divert. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, what it, would you rather fly IFR or VFR? Talking about Cirrus now. Uh, would you rather have a clear million or would you rather, you know, have the opportunity to use your avionics, use the plane and, and go where you need to go on IFR? Yeah, VFR in the Cirrus for sure. What's because your favorite? I see a cool airport oh, yeah. i'm gonna turn and go land there there you go <laughs> and just check it out favorite airport food we can do this two parts so you're 737 you know you're whatever airport you're at you got 45 minutes to get some food what are you getting and then on the side note to that you're in your serious you're stopping for fuel what are you getting uh 737 probably austin i love going to the salt lick and getting barbecue there there you go um with the cirrus you can't beat the views in sedona the food's good too but I do love going to the Waypoint Cafe in Camarillo. There you go. Shameless plug for Camarillo again, man. They paint you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather fly over? Give me a free hamburger. Yeah, right. Please. <laughs> Maybe they'll call it the bigger urn. Yeah. <laughs> Would you rather fly over mountains, beaches, or cities? Beaches. Airbus or Boeing? Boeing because I don't know Airbus. Yeah. Long trips or short trips? So let's say... Um, you're in your Cirrus, fly as long. That's a comfortable plane, so I'm not going to say that. Well, I don't know. <laughs> you have to fly either as long as the plane can possibly fly in your 737 or do as many legs a day as you possibly can. 
I love flying, so I like the multiple legs. Okay. But if we're flying to Hawaii, I want to go to Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite airline livery? Uh, I like the Arizona one. Okay. Makes sense. Arizona guy. Hardest check ride. <laughs> I'm guessing it's going to be your private pilot check ride. <laughs> it was my private yeah. pilot check ride. I got beat about the head and neck on that. What is your biggest regret in your career, if you have one? Biggest regret? Not taking advantage of all the opportunities to cultivate relationships with the people that I've seen, right? Um, a lot of people made a big impact on my flying career, and I wish I could have told them that at the time, but I didn't know. Yeah, that's a good one. Biggest win of your career? Biggest win? Biggest win. That's, that's hard. I would say getting to Southwest. That okay. was my end goal it, with my flying career was to get to Southwest. Uh, Piper or Cessna, if you had to choose for a trainer? Piper. Uh, 141 training versus 61. 61. I like the freedom. Same. All right. Last one. Favorite airline. You're flying to Hawaii. Uh, actually, I actually have another one after this, but if you're flying to Hawaii, mm-hmm. who are you going on? I guess you'd say Southwest, but you have to pay for a ticket. And who are you going on? I have to pay for a ticket? Yeah. First class. I have class. to pay for a ticket yeah. and Southwest is not a... Oh, yeah. first class. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I'm going on Hawaii. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, all right. You are commuting now. So somehow in an alternate universe, maybe you're commuting. You see the two options. You have a CRJ or an ERJ. Which one are you choosing to commute on? Oh, ERJ. They both have seats, so you can't say the one with a seat. Uh, ERJ. All right. Because I actually want to sit up front and watch everything happen. Yeah. That looks pretty cool. Yeah. The 170 and 175 is cool plane. Got to give yeah. kudos to kudos, kudos to him. Um, all right. So that is all the rapid fire part. I do have one more question for you. Awesome. And yeah. throughout your career, uh, you've learned a lot. We've talked about how you've gone very minute. A kid had put a sticker on me and it just came off. <laughs> I had <laughs> no awesome. idea that was there. Okay. So thanks <laughs> to Emmett for being on this podcast. Appreciate it, buddy. I'll always <laughs> take care of that. But uh, you've done a lot. You've pretty much been involved in every part of this industry. So you have a lot of knowledge of what this career has to offer. What would you, someone's coming to you right now, I'm guessing you get this all the time, but kind of like the three things that you would recommend to someone to have a successful career in aviation, what are kind of like your top three kind of values, mantras, whatever it might be to someone coming up? Sure. Uh, Number one is attitude. Have a positive attitude regardless. This this career is very long. You're going to experience up and downs. Just have a great attitude and you'll get through it. Number two is resilience. Again, this career... Lots of ups and downs. There's, it's very cyclical. Mm-hmm. So be resilient to a lot of challenges that come up and then learn as much as you can. No one knows everything in this career field. Learn as much as you can from the people around you and develop relationships. I like it. Those are good. Earn, big earn, Ernie. <laughs> thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. No, thanks, um, Justin. If uh, someone wants to follow you and they don't follow you, drop your social. Let me know. Tell them what it is right now, so they can they can hop on the train and be jealous that they're yeah. not following. They don't have a serious just like no. me. No, come on. It's flying with big earn uh, at flying with big earn on Instagram and flying with big earn on YouTube. There you go. All right, man. Appreciate it so much. Uh, we'll be in touch. But I appreciate your time. No, thanks, Justin. I appreciate it. Cool. Have a good one. Aviation, that's a wrap on today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Currently, I'm on day two. I am now officially a PIC. So 
big things there. Um, we are on our first trip. We can actually do captain captain pairings. So I'm actually sitting right seat. So I'm technically still SSC, but it is what it is. Aviation, I don't want to keep you much longer. I know you you got a lot going on. So we're just going to go ahead and end it at that. Thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, happy flying.